Hello, and welcome to Journey With Us, a podcast of Journey Baptist Church. Hello, and welcome to another episode of J2G Overview, where we look at the texts that our Journey Together groups will be studying for our small groups. Today, we will be looking at 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through chapter 4, verse 6. And as always, we will go through the background, themes, and difficulties of the text. Well, the first background comes in that of an Old Testament story, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were the first sons of Adam and Eve. They were brothers, and both made offerings to God, Cain of the ground he worked and Abel of the flocks he shepherded. Abel's offering was accepted and pleasing to God, while Cain's was rejected. And God warned Cain that though his offering was rejected, he should not fall into sin or temptation but rather rule over it so that nothing worse may happen to him. But instead of heeding this warning, Cain killed Abel out of jealousy. And so we see the first act of murder in the Bible, and it is between two brothers, one who was pleasing to God and one who was rejected by God. That's going to set the tone for some of the themes we see later in our text. The other background is an ancient heresy called Gnosticism. Gnosticism is a heresy that denies the fact that Jesus came into the flesh. They were around almost immediately after the origins of the early church. John and his disciples, Polycarp and Irenaeus, fought vehemently against them. Irenaeus writing a famous work called Against Heresies, and John writing a polemic epistle called 1 John, you may have heard of it, where he deals with these heresies head on. Heresies denied the fact that Jesus came in the flesh because they believed that all material matter was evil and that only spirit was good. And so they ironically didn't deny the fact that God was good. They just said because matter is evil, God could not have become flesh and dwelt among us. With this background, let's jump into the themes. They are very similar to previous themes. John, as always, throughout the course of his letter, is painting this portrait of unbelievers versus believers. For unbelievers, we get descriptions such as they are full of hate, they are in error or deception, they are of the Antichrist, and that they are even dead in their sins. While believers have the exact opposite description, they love one another, they are of the truth, they have the Spirit of God in them, and therefore they are alive. John has been working painstakingly throughout his letter to distinguish these two camps of individuals so that we may identify who's who in the church and in the world, and so that we may know ourselves which one we fall under. And if we fall under the camp of unbeliever, that we may come to Christ and become alive, be filled with the Spirit, know the truth, and love one another. The other themes I noticed, which I highlighted in my Bible, are the constant attention grabbers John uses to start his sentences. A lot of times John will say, by this we know, or this is the message, or this is the command, or this is how we will know. John uses these attention grabbers to say, listen up, this is important. This is the most important thing of my letter, and I want to make it explicitly clear. And again, the reason he wants to make it clear is so that we may go from death to life. The things he wants us to know is that God loves us 
we see that in verse 16, he laid his life down for us. And we see that again in verse 20, God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. And the other thing he wants us to know is who is of God and who is of the spirit of deception or the Antichrist. And we see that in the first six verses of chapter four. And the message or command that he wants us to know is that we are to love one another. We see that in verse 11. This is the message we've heard from the beginning. We see it again in verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but action and truth. And finally, verse 23. This is the command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. So not too many different themes in this section than that we have seen in the rest of 1 John. But again, he's continuing to paint this dichotomy of believers and unbelievers, and he's making it clear with attention grabbers saying, we should know these things. These are the messages that I am giving to you. Finally, let's jump into our difficulties. This will draw on our background that I gave us, some from the Bible and some from church history. With Cain and Abel, we see in verse 13 that... The pattern of one who is rejected by God, hating and even murdering the one who is accepted by God, still happens today in verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. This is the same thing that happened between Cain and Abel. The second half of verse 12, right before verse 13, says this, Why did he murder him? Because Cain's deeds were evil, while his brothers were righteous. Another word for this type of hatred is persecution. This is the first and most explicit time that John has taken the dichotomy of two types of individuals, unbelievers and believers, those who are of God and those who are not of God, and stated very clearly that the one will hate, persecute, and even murder the other, and that we should not be surprised by this. Rather, we should know and be ready for it. The next difficulty we see is actually just embedded within the text that I want to address, Chapter 3, verse 22, we receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. So this verse is about prayer. When we come to God and ask of him, it says we will receive whatever we ask from him. That is a difficulty because we know that sometimes we don't receive things we ask from God. And also look at the reasoning because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. That is also a difficulty because we know that we do not have any merits of our own that we can bring God in order to have a transactional relationship of, God, I did this for you, now you did this for me. Rather, we need to understand this verse in the context of the surrounding sentences and in the context of 1 John as a whole. First, we receive whatever we ask from him. Well, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 explain further what he means in those verses John says, we receive whatever we ask of him. When we ask according to his will, he hears us, and we know that we will receive whatever we ask of him. So there is a way of praying where we are not asking of his will. Rather, James, the brother of Jesus, says, we ask according to our evil passions. We will not receive those things. Rather, as God's children, as we grow in the knowledge of his will, we will ask things that are in alignment of his will, and therefore we will receive him. Next, because we do his commands, this is not transactional or meritorious, but rather look at verse 23, the following sentence, this is the command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. All John is saying here is because we are God's children, 
because we have come into Christ, because Christ's merits have earned us the right to approach God boldly and confidently and ask whatever we want of him according to his will. He is our loving Father who will give us good things. That's how to properly understand verse 22, a great promise of prayer, rather than twist it or misunderstand it to our greedy gain. Finally, the last difficulty is the one of Gnosticism, the ancient heresy that denies Jesus came in the flesh. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, he's referring to Gnostics, to his false teachers of his day. However, I like that he doesn't mention them because there is a broader principle. How should we test false spirits and false prophets who have gone out into the world? We should test them according to God's word. Do those spirits speak truth that is in alignment with God's word? We know this because of verse 6 of chapter 4. Anyone who knows God listens to us, the apostles, and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. Look at this. This is how we know the spirit of truth and spirit of deception. So we test those spirits by God's word. And now back to verse 2. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Why is it important that Jesus came in the flesh? Well, let's look at what we lose when we deny Jesus came in the flesh, which is what the Gnostics did. If Jesus did not come in the flesh, rather he was just spirit, then the incarnation did not happen. God did not become man to dwell among us and live the perfect life in our place. If Jesus did not come in the flesh, then the crucifixion did not happen. He did not physically die for our sins as our substitutionary sacrifice. And if Jesus did not come in the flesh, then the bodily resurrection did not happen. We have no hope that we will be raised from the dead. We are still in our sins, and we are dead. If we deny that Jesus came in the flesh, or if any false teacher teaches this, they are denying the core of the gospel that God became flesh, dwelt among us, died in our place, and rose so that we may know that our bodies will be raised to life in eternity. And again, how do we know this? Back to 1 John chapter 1, by the testimony of the apostles, that which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have touched, which we have felt, which we have been in the presence of, this we may know, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Those are our difficulties, those are our themes, and that is our background to 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through 4, chapter 6. Thank you for joining us for another episode of J2G Overview, a podcast of Journey Baptist Church.